This morning, we want to look at John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles or turn on your phones. Uh, just turn on sound, so if you get a phone call or something like that, it doesn't uh, disturb the people around you. So uh, a lot of us uh, have Bible apps these days and, uh, and use that instead of carrying around a, a big piece of paper or a couple pieces of paper here uh, to uh, look at um, as we go through this. So I'm not going to read the passage itself, but as we go through the passage, you can uh, uh, read uh, the text there. And um, and if you, I get too boring, you can always look at it yourself and read through it and get whatever you can out of it. So uh, hopefully that won't happen, but um, that's always a possibility. Um, so Jesus, uh, John begins this chapter by telling us that Jesus began to get popular. John the Baptist had told the people that Jesus was going to be following him, and he began to preach and teach, and people began to repent of their sin and follow Jesus. And so he began to gain in popularity, and he was ministering in the area around Jerusalem and that area. There were a lot of Pharisees and others that really didn't like the fact that Jesus was becoming more popular than them. And so he, they were becoming jealous at what he was doing. And so Jesus felt for the ultimate good of his ministry and what he wanted to accomplish here on earth, he would go back to Jerusalem, uh, to uh, Galilee. So he was going to travel up to Galilee. Now there were two ways that they could travel from Jerusalem to Galilee in the north. Uh, one way was to go on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and the other way was to go through the territory of Samaria. So we see that uh, the route through Samaria was a lot shorter. Actually, it was probably a day or two shorter, but... Um, it was through a, an area that the Jews felt they didn't want to go through. So if we look at the map here, we can see here is Jerusalem right over here. And uh, from Jerusalem, they would, the Jews would cross across the Jordan River and they would take this trade route up all the way up to here and then cross around and come back to Galilee. Now we can also see that there was another route from Jerusalem. They could go all the way straight up here and into their country of Galilee. So uh, Jesus was going to uh, go up in this area, and uh, Shechem is right in this area right here. So it's almost the center part of our map there. This is the area that we're going to be talking about this morning. Now, the Jews uh, hated very much the Samaritan people. They wouldn't even travel 
The devout Jews would not even travel through Samaria. But they would take this long circuitous route around to get back to their home country in Galilee. And uh, the major city in Galilee was Capernaum. It was on the north side of the lake. After the Israelites were captured in about 500 B.C., about 500 years before Christ, Israel had been captured by Babylonia and put into subjection. And all the people were taken out of the country and transferred over to Babylon so that the country would become desolate and there would be no uprisings because Israel was kind of a... The Israelites were kind of a group of people that really weren't very um, submissive to the Babylonian rule. Uh, they kind of rebelled at one point, and so Babylon had to come back down and even destroy more and become even more uh, uh, stronger in that area. So they said, look, let's just get rid of these uh, troublesome Jews uh, that live here, and we'll just take them to Babylon, then we can keep our finger on them and make sure that they're going to behave. So there we have the stories like the story of Esther and uh, stories like that in our in our Bible about that when the Jews were in in Babylon. We have Daniel, we have um, uh, Jeremiah, uh, not Jeremiah. We have ne- uh, Nehemiah. And Ezra, those all took place during that time when they were in Babylon. But, you know, that area was actually fairly prosperous. So the Babylonian rulers uh, sent people to who were not Jewish to go and inhabit that area, especially the area in the Samaritan, Samaritan area, especially. And so... While they were there, they were, um, they, they came. They weren't Jewish people. They were other nation, people from other nations. And when they went and populated that area, they brought with them their own gods. And so the Lord said, this is my country. And so he actually sent lions. And you can read the story. It's in 2 Kings chapter 17, 24 to 41. And that story tells us about how God sent lions to go and attack the new inhabitants of the land. And so they realized that these lions had been sent to torment them. And so they said, well, okay, We'll add God of the Israelites, Jehovah, to our list of gods, and we'll worship him too. We'll fear him, but we'll also worship our own gods as well. And so the people in that territory began to um, desecrate, you might say, the country, and they began to worship their own gods, but they also kept um, God kind of in the shelf here as well, part of their uh, group of gods that they would worship. They also set up a temple in this area. 
So, but later on, when, Nebuchadnezzar, when Nehemiah came, they also rebuilt, uh, Ezra came, they rebuilt the temple. So, these people, uh, some of the Jews also came back eventually to help populate their home country. But when they came back, they began to intermarry with the people that were there already. And so they began to worship the other gods as well. And so when the Jews who came back to Jerusalem saw what was going on in Samaria, they began to despise and reject the Samaritans for having intermarried and polluted the Jewish nation. And so there was a lot of hatred there toward the Samaritans. And they refused to even go through their country to acknowledge that they existed there. And they would go all the way around um, to avoid them. But Jesus didn't have those same feelings of animosity. Jesus had a mission. Jesus wanted to reach the people of Samaria as well. So he traveled north. And as he traveled north, they stopped at the well that Jacob had dug, probably a thousand years before this time. So that well was about a thousand five hundred years old when Jesus passed through that territory. Now, this well was dug after a series of wells that Jacob had dug. And you can read that story in the, in Genesis of what happened to all these wells that Jacob had, had dug. And this was a, particularly deep well. It was at least 80 feet deep. And it was dug by hand, we believe, unless they had machinery that we don't know about. And they actually went through rock as well to get down to the water source. So it's really quite interesting when you go and look at this well and um, we see that there is... um, a hole in the ground, and when Jesus was there, then this well today is about three feet wide at the top. So when you think of, you know, digging a shaft down 80 feet, about three feet across, maybe it was wider when they did, and they just kind of built the well wall around it, but but still, it was quite a, a feat to get down to get that water. So that well still is there today. This is a picture here of about um, 1869. I think is what it says there. Yeah, 1869. That's what the country looked like, and the hole in the center there is is where the well was, down in there. So it wasn't uh, anything specific. Uh, it was, you know, but in Jesus' time, it was a little more, uh, distinguished. 
And Jesus came and he sat down by the well. And uh, some of you kids might say, well, how come Jesus, you know, did, just didn't go to a restaurant? How come he didn't uh, just go to a service station alongside the road? We could probably find a few service stations there today. But in Jesus' time, there weren't things like service stations. Um, and there was no running water in Jesus' day. Uh, there were a few places in the world at that point that had a little bit of running water, but no running water like we have. You know, there was no taps that you could turn on and uh, just, you know, put your glass underneath there and have a good drink. That didn't exist in Jesus' day. And it doesn't exist in a lot of countries around the world even today as well. We are very blessed to live in a country where we can, you know, get in our cars and drive to Toronto and uh, about the distance that it would be for Jesus to go from Jerusalem to Samaria and uh, stop at the service centers and be there in about four hours. But if we had to walk that distance, could you imagine trying to walk that far? That would be quite a journey, wouldn't it? So here is Jesus traveling, and um, he got tired. And so he sat down, and um, he was also getting hungry, probably. At least his disciples were, the guys that were traveling with him. And uh, we'll talk about those guys next week a little bit. But they were traveling together with him, and the well was a little bit, you know, on the, the sidecar was a little bit off maybe the beaten track. And so the, the uh, disciples went to get some food and in the town, and Jesus stayed there at the well. So um, while Jesus was sitting there relaxing, um, a lady came. Now, it was a little bit unusual for women to come at that time of day. It was lunchtime. And um, here we are. Uh, most of the time, the ladies would go in the morning, first thing, when it wasn't so hot out, and uh, then they would go to the well, and they would put their uh, containers, their jugs, down inside that three-foot hole and drop it down with a rope, and then they would, you know, kind of pull it up, and when they got their... their uh, pitcher full, then they would take that pitcher in back home, and it was about a mile and a half between the well and the town, so they had to kind of come out to, to the well and, and then go back into town, and they would have uh, water for the day, and the next day they'd have to do the same thing, or if they had laundry, maybe they'd have to go once or twice a day. So it was a lot of, lot of work to get water and to, uh, to um, have water for cooking and laundry and other kinds of things is washing up and things like that as well. So it was used very sparingly. But most of the ladies came in the morning, early, because it was hot. And that was a, you know, kind of three-mile hike. So to get to the well and then to go back home again. So it was uh, not an easy kind of... Um, task for the ladies. And we don't know why the lady really didn't show up till noon. Maybe she slept in. 
maybe her lifestyle wasn't quite there and uh, she had a hangover or maybe she had uh, uh, reasons why she didn't want to go uh, to be with the other ladies uh, because there was a lot of gossip and other kinds of things that she would be the subject of. And so she uh, went at a different time than the other ladies. The Jews were considered to be richly impure. And so, especially a woman at that time was, you know, men were not to talk to women if you weren't married to them or if they weren't a relative of yours. So, Jesus requested of a woman, a stranger woman, something to drink. And because the Samaritan women were considered to be ritually impure, the Jews were forbidden to take a drink of water from a Samaritan woman. Now you talk about discrimination, right? That was real discrimination in those days. But there were other barriers that Jesus faced. There was the moral barrier. We know that the lady was not a pure virgin, right? She had had five husbands and was shacked up with a man that was not, she was not married to. So we know that she was not, she was an immoral woman. And for Jesus, who was pure, who was sinless, to interact with this sinful woman, it must have been quite a shock for the disciples to realize what kind of barriers Jesus was breaking. Not only was the social barrier, they were a different you know, group of people. And there was the moral barrier, and there was the gender barrier. And so all these barriers were there. And uh, when the, the disciples came back, they were shocked at what Jesus had done. But, you know, for Jesus, they weren't barriers. They were opportunities to show that he really cared. Sometimes we have barriers in our life. What kind of barriers do you have? Are there some people that maybe you don't talk to or you wouldn't be caught dead conversing with? Is Satan keeping you from witnessing, from sharing Jesus' love with other people because of the barriers that we have put up or society has put up? Or our religious upbringing has kind of said, these are no-nos, we can't do that. What kind of barriers do we have? What kind of barriers are keeping us from Jesus as well? Maybe there's some things happening in our life that we know we shouldn't be doing 
but we do it anyways. Those kind of things are keeping us from an intimate relationship with Jesus. Jesus was willing to talk to anyone. Are we willing to talk to others? Can we drop those barriers and be able to to connect with other people as well? Jesus offered the woman in return for a drink of water, living water. Maybe some of us are spiritually dry this morning. But the water that Jesus gives is a spiritual water. And it will spring up, he says here in this passage, it will spring up inside us and flow out. He wants that joy. He wants that peace. He wants that happiness to flow from our innermost being so that we can demonstrate that Jesus is living inside. He doesn't want us going around with a sour face and and uh, mean spirit and uh, fighting all the time. Those things um, will keep us from joy and keep us from a good relationship with others as well. So, as a part of the conversation that we read about here, Jesus also revealed to her her past. And when Jesus revealed to her the pa- her past, without her saying anything, she recognized him as receiving a divine message from God. And that he was then a true prophet. Now, a prophet can receive a message directly from God and share that with other people. That's one of the spiritual gifts. And if you have that, then maybe you have experienced that. Jesus also revealed that he was truly the Messiah. The one that was written about in the Old Testament and that he was going to uh, come as the promised Messiah, the one that would deliver their people from their sin. Now, one of the questions that the lady asked was, where's the proper place to worship? As we said, they, the Samaritans had built a temple there by the, on the hill side there, and they felt that it was the right place to worship. Actually, there was a golden calf there that they worshipped as well as uh, giving sacrifices and things like that. Now, the sacrifices were usually done in Jerusalem. That's the place that God had ordained for animal sacrifices to be made. And so for feasts and and for getting your sin looked after, you went to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice. It could be a cow, 
It could be a sheep. It could be a goat. It could be a pigeon. But you had to offer a substitute for you because of your sin. We, we read in scriptures that the wages of sin is death. And that it was required that they would have some animal to die in your stead. And so that was done in Jerusalem. But Jesus has said that there is a time coming here when that's not going to be necessary. Why? Because Jesus became the Lamb of God. He became the offering for sin. And that we would worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, how do we worship in spirit and in truth? Well, first of all, we worship from our innermost being. It isn't how we stand or what we say, but what comes out of our heart whether we're in truly worshiping mode. And we need to worship in truth. We need to worship with a pure heart and a clean heart and an honest heart. If there's something in our lives that is standing between us and God, if we've sinned, if we've uh, failed to follow God's ways, then we will struggle with true worship. And God wants us to live without hypocrisy, especially when we're worshiping him. As I was thinking through the life of this woman I was thinking of all the pain that she had endured. Relational pain. Maybe some of you have experienced some relational pain. Some rejection of family. Rejection of friends. Now, could you imagine being married five times? What kind of pain would be inside her heart from those experiences? If you just imagine the pain that she was experiencing when she came to see Jesus. Maybe she had already numbed her soul and she didn't feel the pain anymore. We can do that. But the pain's still there. And it'll come back. This week was a, a painful week for me. As I tried to understand people around me, and the pain that they were experiencing. We need to learn to identify with individuals. 
and try to understand the pain that they are going through. And I'd say this week was a, a tough week for me. As I sought to understand the pain that, that people around me were experiencing. And this is the kind of pain that Jesus experiences as well. Not just on the cross, but even today, as Jesus relates to us as individuals, he experiences the pain that we experience as well. And he wants to bring comfort. He wants to bring joy to us. He doesn't want to live us to live in pain. He wants us to live in freedom, and he wants us to live in joy. When the disciples came back from lunch, they wanted to uh, give him something to eat, but he says, you know what? I'm not hungry. Says, uh, disciples thought, well, that's strange. You know, <laughs> we were famished, so we had to run off to town and, and get something to eat, and he says he's not even hungry. But you know, when we are involved with people and we experience uh, a spiritual time with individuals, you know, we lose track of our appetites. We, you know, we're not in a hurry to run off to uh, lunch. We just want to sit around Jesus and enjoy the time with him. So Jesus connects with our hearts as well. And we need to connect to others, just like Jesus did here. We need to find a way to create some kind of common ground. And, and for Jesus and this woman, it was getting a drink of water. Uh, we need to find to bring, uh, a way to bring healing and a message of Jesus to these people. Now, the woman ran back to town. She was so excited about what Jesus had told her that she left her pitcher of water at the well and went back. Maybe, I don't even know she filled it up. I don't even know if she got around to, to uh, getting that water from the bottom of the well. But she left that picture behind, and she went. And she went to the men of the city. That's an interesting statement in there. That she went to the men of the city. Now, why would she go to the men of the city? You'd think that she would go to the ladies of the city, right? The, yeah. Well, probably because she had been so rejected by the ladies. She was still accepted by the men of the town. And so that's where she went to share the message about who Jesus was and what Jesus had told her. The passage finishes with the disciples talking to Jesus. 
And Jesus says, the fields are ripe for harvesting. The question is, are you filled with living water so that you can be a part of the harvesting that Jesus wants to do? Jesus said that the fields were ripe for harvest. If they were ripe for harvest 2,000 years ago, can you imagine what the fields are like today? They're even more ripe, maybe overripe. And we should be diligent in bringing in the harvest. And Jesus looked toward the city. And as he saw people coming out of the city, you can just imagine, here were a throng of people coming out. They had listened to what the lady had said, and now they were coming out to meet Jesus themselves. Have you met Jesus yourself? Have you truly met Jesus inside? He saw the people, the needs of the people. He saw the hurts of the people, and he ministered to them. In fact, when he ministered to them, they said, you know what? We want to learn more about what you have to say. And they invited him to stay for another couple days. What an opportunity to reach out to people who were rejected, and Jesus was giving them a message of hope. They wanted to hear more. They wanted to know more about what the Old Testament had said. They wanted to correct their religion. They wanted to experience living water. Do you have that living water inside you today? I hope you do. Because if you have living water, it's going to flow from you. You're going to be able to share that living water with others. What a great experience it is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will heal our hearts this morning. You will heal our hurts. You will mend our relationships. You will give eternal life and joy and freedom. And if this morning some of you have not done that yet, I pray that you will cry out to Jesus in a simple prayer. Jesus, I have sinned. I'm hurting inside. And only you can forgive me and heal me and comfort me. I pray that you will send your Holy Spirit to cleanse me, to live inside of me as my comforter and my teacher. May your Holy Spirit be present in my life, filling me with God, 
and making me a blessing to everyone I come into contact with. May I become a blessing to everyone I meet. May I overflow with joy and love. And may living water spring from my soul. May people sense Jesus in me. May they sense the hope and the peace that you give me. And may others be transformed through the life that you give me. May we not live for ourselves, but live to bring the joy of Jesus to others. Amen.